Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Pastor Clark Covington here with another episode of KJV Cafe. So glad you're here. Hopefully you are doing good today. It's a wonderful day in the cafe. Amen. I've got a pen and a pad here. I'm ready to make notes, take, make notes, take notes, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, I would just say this too. Um, if you listen to this program and you love God's word, you know, something that can be very therapeutic, and I'm just throwing this out here, just randomly came to me, I guess maybe God wanted me to mention it. I don't know. Um, it's really good to take a verse and maybe write it out. Or even if you have like, um, you know, if you have kids and they have art supplies or if you're an adult and you have art supplies, you know, pens, crayons, markers, you know, write it out, draw it out, sketch it out, just a verse, you know. It's really therapeutic to do that. I, I've been doing that a little bit more lately. And uh, it just kind of, for someone like me, I'm a visual learner, I suppose. And it helps me to learn the verse. And then sometimes after, I, and I'm, if you know me, I'm not that artistic when it comes to drawing and stuff. Uh, my kids have better handwriting than I do and they're seven. But um, I'll leave it around, you know. I'll have it out somewhere. And I see it and it reminds me of the verse. And so it's always good. I mean, again, we study God's word. We meditate on God's word. We pray about over God's word that he'll help us to discern it. You know, we understand it. It's so great. And, you know, when we spend time in that order, you know, looking at God's word, praying over it, again, writing it out, sketching it out, studying it, thinking about it, putting it on a t-shirt, a hat, whatever it may be. There's just so many good things that come from that. I mean, just just not even outward evangelism, though that's good. You know, you draw some scripture on a paper and leave it out. Someone sees it and say, wow, that's cool. That person's, you know, they're counting on God. They're studying God's word. But just inwardly, it brings peace. So that's a little extra nugget here today. We're on episode 61 of season two, Genesis 3, verses 9 and 10. Man, more good stuff here. Yesterday, we spoke about this hiding from God and how futile it is, how the Lord's voice convicted their, their minds, their hearts and their minds to run from that sin. They hid from God, just like Jonah would end up hiding from God. And just as futile as it was for Jonah, it's futile for Adam and Eve. And so we see here that in our lives that we oftentimes want to have that willful ignorance, you know, that, that disbelief. What does the Bible say? The fool says there is no God. I mean, it's just absolute you know, silliness to look at the complexity on this earth and the precision of how the sun needs to be just the right place and how the moon and the water and how the, where the water comes up to and how animals procreate and how the air comes in, you know, from the tree and back into the tree. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I've seen enough to know God's real. I remember being in freshman year of college required to take an astronomy class. And I'm not of the scientific persuasion at all. If you haven't figured that out. And I was awful. I had a super nice teacher. 
I like to go at night. We would look through a big telescope they had on campus, but I was really bad. Okay. And he's like, we'll, we'll get you to pass somehow. <laughs> you know, I'm just, but the little bit that I could take in, and I, I did, I think I did pass that class, praise God. But the little bit that I could take in of, of how the stars all line, all these things in my mind, and I was lost, you know, but in my mind, I said, oh yeah, God's real. God is real. That is confirmation. Just looking at how the stars, planets, and all these things move in such precision, it testifies to God. It testifies to God. There is a verse on that. I'm going to give you that verse, and we're going to get into our scripture right when we come back from this break. So stay tuned. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. Okay, so a few verses here. Uh, let's see, Psalm, uh, where we go? Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Okay. So there, the fool says there is no God, okay? Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Amen. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that, that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. Verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. See, they're without excuse. We see God in our day-to-day life. We see him. We see him in nature. We see him in people. We see him in so many ways, you know, that there's more to this life than what is just what we uh, see with our eyes. Amen. And the Bible tells us that we're without excuse, that God knows that we know. And so it's up to us to draw nigh to him. Of course, he does the convicting of our hearts, just like he asked Adam and Eve in the last uh, verse here that we studied, you know, what are you doing? Where are you? He, he, he speaks to us, but we must respond. Amen. We must respond. All right. Genesis 3 Moving on to verses 9 and 10. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Notice, by the way, in verse 9, God calls Adam. He's the head of the house. Doesn't matter that Eve ate of that fruit first. God says, Adam, where are you? Verse 10. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. See, he admits he heard it. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Mm. So we see here in Genesis 3, Verses 9 and 10, we see the voice of the Lord again. God hasn't given up on them. See how he pursued them despite their sinful nature. You see that? They fell into sin. God clearly knows that they've fallen into sin. And God says, I'm still going to pursue you. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, that's, that's a verse that many, uh, I, I don't think many people spend enough time thinking about. You know, the, the Bible word is enmity. So man was enmity or warfare with God. That's how man's disposition towards God is because man is sinful creature, right? Ever since Adam and Eve sinned. And just as God didn't just leave Adam, he, you know, God could have just, fl- you know, thought of the thought of just flicking him off the earth and he would have been done. Okay. But God said, no, I'm going to speak to you and I'm going to pursue you. 
And God did that then with Adam and Eve, and he's doing it here today with sinners all across the world. This is, word, this is why words like mercy, grace, and favor are due in praise to God. This is his character, to love us despite our sin, our woeful running, just as Adam and Eve were hiding many today, right now. Maybe your neighbor, maybe you, maybe someone you know. They're hiding from God. They're running from God, and he is still pursuing them. God is so clever, by the way. He's very smart, okay? He's God, okay? He has all knowledge, but I say that because... Look at like John the Baptist. He came like, you need to repent, you vipers, right? Jesus came and said, I'm bringing love and I care for you. And, you know, whether they were uh, there getting yelled at or whether they were there getting loved on, they ignored both of the witnesses. And here today we have some, that's why, you know, even though the fundamental persuasion, I don't yell. And uh, some of the workers at radio station, one worker said, you don't sound like the other preachers. And I said, yeah, I admit that a little more mellow, but I think, there's a place for both of those things because just cause I don't yell doesn't mean that number one, I didn't need to get yelled at. I responded very well to a very loud and yelling coach when I was playing football, like a really hard nosed coach. I responded well to that. And uh, I responded well to some very hard nosed preaching uh, for many years. You know, it took that much. I needed that. Like I needed that cold ice bath over and over again. I didn't love it, but I needed it. So I respect that even though that's not my style, so to speak. Um, and at the same time, God, again, God's pursuing sinners. The, the whole point I was getting at was like, if somebody leaves the church, God's not done with them. He, he'll send a witness to them somehow, some way, maybe through this program, maybe through another program, maybe through uh, a Bible study, maybe through a children's lesson. You never know how God is going to reach people, but he's constantly pursuing them. I believe it. And that's his mercy, grace, and favor because they, their lives are an abomination to him. Their sin is unacceptable to him. And yet he still loves them so much, right? I was born in sin. I lived in sin. I rebelled against God in his ways. I followed after every lust of the flesh. And God, what did he do? Oh, he came and saved me. First Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy, worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And that is Paul writing to Timothy, his protege. And it'd be easy for Paul to be puffed up to say, look, I'm the leader here. I'm like a father to you and you need to understand it. I wasn't that bad, but you know, I, I did a few things and God saved me. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. And just as God went after somebody like Saul, who became Paul, the one that held the coats of those that stoned Stephen, the one that profited from the persecution of the Christians, that individual, God saved him and changed him. He did the same to you. For if you've been saved, he's done the same to you. I know he did the same to me. I mean, whatever law there was that God had, I broke it. Whatever thing that, you know, that was sinful, I chased it. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to like, um, bury that or, or try to pretend that I wasn't bad. I think people think I exaggerate, but like legitimately it was really bad. I went to a lot of bad places. I did a lot of bad things. Like I'm very fortunate to be alive. Amen. I mean that. I mean that. I'm very fortunate to be alive. And God said, I'll save him. You know, I was just down to my, I just hated myself and hated everything about my life. And I said, Lord, if you'll help me, I'll give you everything. And he helped me. And then I believe he called me on that promise and said, you're going to give it all. Yep. Yep. That, that career you're going to chase, that's gone. You know, that life you thought you're going to have, that's gone. But I'm so glad he did because that's his mercy. That's his grace. That's his love. 
You know, what am I doing? I'm simply just talking about the Bible and God wants me to do that. I'm telling people how good Jesus is. And it's not because I read it somewhere. It's because I read it somewhere and I saw it in my own life. And I saw God's great love. He's a tremendous God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. It's a saying worthy of all exception to accept this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul said that, and I can say it too. He came to save sinners and he saved me. And if you haven't been born again, he'll save you, friend. It doesn't matter if you're on death row. It don't matter. If you have done the worst of the worst of the worst, he'll save you. He will save to the uttermost. And conversely, if you've lived a great and moral life, if you are very popular and accepted, if you give to UNICEF every chance and you help everybody cross the street and your neighbors all think you're great and you're not saved, you have a one-way ticket to hell, friend. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. That means like dirty gauze pads. So God's pursuing Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He's dealing with Adam first because Adam's the head of the household. And the next episode, we're going to talk about the blame game. But don't be blaming it on who, oh, you know, my wife did this and that. No, no. You fall. You accept the responsibility for your household. And I've taken that extremely serious in my house. We have three kids. You know, I'm, they know I'm not playing, that, that it's my job to be responsible for this household. And if there's disobedience in the house, we're not going to have it. Like literally, we're not going to have it because God's, I have to answer to God for my house. Adam had to answer to God. God didn't say, Eve, why'd you do that? God said, Adam, why'd you do that? Okay. And so that helps, helps us frame up what we would face from God if we are unsaved, regardless of the reason. And, oh, there's so many things we could go. I mean, I think of Solomon, you know, the wisest man to ever live. And what was his downfall in the end? His wives and concubines, these women that drug him into idolatry and these other things. And there's a whole parallel there in the Bible uh, between Eve and, and then Adam and so forth. But at the end of the day, for time's sake, we just have to focus on how merciful and loving God is, but also how God will call us on our decisions. He'll knock on the door and say, hey, what decision are you making? And while we can make decisions, he's given us that authority to make decisions. We certainly don't make the consequences of those decisions. And God will not relieve us of those consequences. We will face those consequences. The only way we find relief or the Bible were to be reconciliation is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.